Welcome back to the Blog Boy Roundtable, presented by the Bay Area Examiner. This week, we've got uh, a bit of a three-man weave going. From the Bay Area Examiner, you have myself, Seth Barnador, and Robert Stieg. From DraftKings Network, you have Nick Simon. No Anthony Vito or Nathan Bond this week. They are uh, out of commission or you know working real jobs and things like that. So we all did pretty good last week. Looking back, nobody had a losing week. Uh, <laughs> different. We so uh, everybody is at 500 or better through two weeks. Not terrible, especially with early early starts here. We've got uh, two of the leaders here, and I am not one of them. See, you are currently seven and one. <laughs> Nick is five and three, and we've got another slate of four picks this week. But first, we'll talk about last week. Everybody picked Colorado minus three. Literally everybody just about in the country, except for the pro betters who didn't want to look like squares and pick Nebraska. Uh, They were the public team and it wasn't even close. I I think we talked about a little bit. The Colorado defense isn't great, but the Nebraska offense was so bad that it didn't really matter. Right? (laughs) Like We've yet to kind of see – uh, a team that can do it on both sides of the ball play Colorado. And I don't think we're going to see it this week either. Yeah. Uh, another um, kind of, they kind of got off to a kind of slow start, but still another uh, impressive performance, particularly by uh, Shadur Sanders for Colorado. Like he's starting to get like a lot of Heisman buzz and people. And the interesting thing is it's like, people are like starting to like realize how good he was. And it's like, no, if you like watch, him at Jackson state the last couple of years, like he was that dude. Like he was like, even with again, lower level of competition in FCS to swag, like he was like, he was great for that team, like the entire season. And you're seeing that like, so like Dion coming in and declaring him the starter in the opening press conference, it's, it's starting to work. <laughs> it's, it's Good call. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's scared yeah. off anybody at quarterback that he's really upset about. Uh, it, was, it was clear as day what was going to happen in that game. I, I think the three points there was kind of like a a conservative look, like, ah, oh, maybe uh, Nebraska's offense will turn it around. But, like, I mean, I, I said it, like, Matt Rule has to absolutely bury the team, and then he can start uh, being good. And so I think it was a – I mean, I really want to know who bet Nebraska, meet them and discuss with them and, and figure out what's happening and then, you know, recommend them to betterhelp.com for their crippling gambling addiction. What's funny is you, you had some guys that are really sharp uh, that like do this for a living bet Nebraska just because of how like the, I think it's hard for people to make an adjustment on Colorado after one week. So all the preseason numbers you had were Colorado is not going to be a very good team. And then they're so public, like people in the public want to bet them so much. I think it had the most, they said the Colorado game had more bets than anybody in the NFL and the week one lines for the NFL had been out for almost a month. Like only the chiefs had more money on them than Colorado. So there was some, a, of, the, some there of those was guys a, just go against the public, right? Yeah. There was a point during uh, last week, at DraftKings were like 25% of all of the total college football bets period was on that Colorado Nebraska game. It, like it's 
man, the Dion thing, like the Dion thing, it's it's like it's real, man. And you you're gonna see that this weekend with game day, big noon Saturday. I think 60 minutes is gonna be there. First yeah. game to be there and it's just a colorado colorado state, state rivalry game but like what's like, great yeah it's not but what's crazy is next week they got oregon so um that'll be interesting to see this will be their first week as a, a big favorite uh but we all hit that one last week um steve you're the only one that picked miami you trusted mario uh and that texas and team just looked rough bad tackling team uh i need to watch a ton of the game i was traveling uh to cover our usf bulls but uh miami looked pretty good there yeah i mean in in all fairness uh, i felt like it was more my 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 choice was more of an indictment against jimbo fisher than it was to to mario cristobal i just want to it was a real toss-up of which coach you wanted to fade more (laughs) Do you like, yeah, there's a, there's an acronym that you can throw in there or not an acronym, a comparison you can throw in there between a sandwich, uh, something else, but yeah. I'm not going to, um, yeah. family friends, no, I'm trying to be different, trying to be more serious, but yeah, I mean, I, Jimbo's collecting paychecks, Jimbo's siphoning oil money from, from Texas A&M boosters at this point. Like, I mean, man, like they, for all the talent, for all the money, for all the NIL, for everything that Texas A&M has for advantage, they somehow have the coach who just absolutely cannot give a care right now. And it, it's very apparent. And, and, you know, he'll put together a, a reasonable game here and there, but he's, you know, a guy playing checkers and everyone else is playing chess around them. I mean, Texas A&M has to do something about the Jimbo Fisher problem. They took a gamble. You know, this guy wants to get paid more and had success at Florida State, yada, yada, yada it's not replicating man you you gotta you gotta learn a couple of us here at this point can uh any anything from that game nick did you get a chance to watch it um i watched a little bit of it i think um now to be like to be fair i think the texas a&m offense wasn't bad i think connor wigman like definitely definitely looked pretty good at certain points of the, certain points of the game like like I, I mentioned last week it i mentioned last week like this wasn't the slog that last year's AM uh Miami game was. Like I think both offense, both offenses actually produced pretty well throughout the game. It's just for my pick, I mean, I thought that Texas AM, I, I I had a flip. I thought Texas AM would be the one that win like 48 to 31 or whatever the final score was. But um going back to what you were saying about Jimbo Steve, the pressure is really going to be on uh for, AM these next couple of weeks or these next couple of months because what because we're going to touch on it in just a second the SEC West is wide open this year so if there was a year for Texas AM to finally like sneak in and actually make it to Atlanta it's this year and buddy if you don't if you if you don't if you're not able to step up and get it done in this in this SEC West this year it just ain't it just ain't happening. Yeah, my big question is: Can Texas A&M afford Jimbo and Dion's buyouts? Right, I think that that could be get Dion back to Texas. Um, speaking of Texas, the next game we picked, Nick, you and I were on the Longhorns over Bama. Steve, you picked Bama. That was your lone loss. Um, Texas looked pretty good, man. They, uh, I got to watch a little bit of it in the press box. 
it seemed like every time Bama would kind of counterpunch and you thought, all right, here they are coming back now, Texas would have something right back for them. So uh, they played really well, and, and now they're kind of – I mean, they don't – the schedule's not – if you can kind of play like you did against Bama, the schedule's not too difficult the rest of the way. So uh, definitely, I think, a playoff chance for Texas, right? For sure. Like you mentioned, like they were they were poised, confident. Like what was it in the third quarter? Bama like briefly took the lead. And again, you're you're sitting like, oh, we've seen this, seen this countless number of times. And it's like, nah, man, <laughs> Quinn Ewers to Xavier Worthy. Quinn Ewers to yeah. like just straight over the top. Like that was that was an impressive performance. That was the exact like I mentioned last week, that was the exact like turning point cornerstone moment Sark needed for, for this uh, Texas program, especially with them basically joining the ranks of Alabama and Georgia next year in the SEC. Like that was the type of win that could propel like this program into that consistent top tier, like playoff caliber type of team. Yeah. And they certainly seem to be kind of on that way. Oklahoma seems to be the kind of the next big one for them and, you know, I wonder if you had that line right now, what it would be. I think Texas A&M might be a – or Texas, rather, might be a, a double-digit favorite maybe. Uh, Steve, did you get a chance to watch it? Or what are you kind of – and what kind of um, – actually, no, I'll, let me, I'll get your thoughts on Bama when we talk USF Bama. Let's get through uh, off-the-board picks. Uh, my Oregon minus six and a half was never in doubt against Texas Tech. It's not like it took a pick six on the last drive of the game uh, to cover that. Uh, it did. Oklahoma State, Nate had Oklahoma State minus three and a half. They covered pretty easily. Vito wanted me to mention that his UConn plus three pick was terrible, but I liked it in the moment, so I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Nick, Texas State plus 12 and a half against UTSA. Is there something going on? We're going to talk more UTSA later, but is there something <laughs> something going on there? It's not right with Frank with Frank Harris and his team. I just, like he got hurt a little bit, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, shout out to, like I said, shout out to Texas State. Like, G.J. Kenny's getting that program turned around, like, pretty quickly in year one. You know, they didn't, they weren't able to ultimately pull out the win last Saturday. But still, you go into this, you go into the Alamo Dome, which is a low-key, pretty tough environment. Like, they always pull in pretty good crowds over at UTSA. You know, you go into this environment against this, basically, a rival right down I-35, and you at least put a scare into a scare into him and pull him within pull within uh, a score. So another so another impressive showing even in a loss for Texas State. And then and Steak had Cal plus six and a half in a super ugly game uh, and covered. So no problems. All right, so let's get to our games this week. <laughs> so Steak's on fire. He's missed one game and it was against a bet on Alabama, which you can't really blame him for. Speaking of Alabama. They go on the road to play at USF. A lot of people, um, I did a Florida podcast earlier this week, and I said, yeah, US, Alabama was playing at USF, and the guy's eyes about bugged out of his head. He, he had to, like, double-check me because he you could tell, because he asked me when the game was. I just told him who they're playing. You could tell he went and looked. Oh, it's at 3.30. Like, he had to make sure I was not mistaken. But, yes, Alabama is traveling to play in Raymond James. They are currently a 32-point favorite coming off the loss. The over-under is 61 and a half, I believe. Yes. Steve, 
you saw you watched did you watch a little Alabama Texas and and kind of what are your thoughts on this game and maybe Alabama's mental state coming out of that game? Right. I'll start with the good uh, for USF at least as as a homer as I am. Uh, what great pregame publicity this is going to bring to the program. I mean, this is they're going to talk about this extensively. This can be an easy leeway into the on-campus stadium that USF is doing and talking about the Alex Golish storylines. I mean, Yahoo put out an article about it today. There was a lot more people at the media scrum today. This is really good publicity before the game for USF. The bad side is uh, the game has to happen, and it's not going to be fun. Uh, I mean, I'm sure some guys will have fun with it and, and, and USF will compete and Golish is going to do everything he possibly can to put his guys in the best position to compete in this game. But I mean, size wise, talent wise, there, there's already a disparity whenever you have a team in the SEC guys with or teams with high blue chip ratios. There's already going to be a big disparity. And you're just so happening to get a team who's coming off a loss and they need a bounce back game. The stars aren't aligning for, for a monumental upset. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can, you can watch Bama week in a week out and, and they're still just going to be clinical. They're going to be surgical, you know, goalish center in his press conference. The biggest game is the next game. The most important game is the next game. You know, Bama's not going to look ahead to Ole Miss. They're not looking ahead to Tennessee. They're not looking ahead to anyone else. Just like USF isn't looking ahead to Rice, they're not looking ahead to Navy or whomever else. You know, this is the most important game for these two coaches, and I think it's going to show. And I, I think USF is going to be able to compete at times. I think we're going to see some progress week in and week out, but 32 points is a lot, and I think they can probably cover that pretty easily without having to dig too deep into the playbook. So I think Bama, I think Bama by 32 at least. Um, they're they're not going to want to run up the score or anything like that. That's not the the saving way, but I think they'll put this away comfortably. All right, Nick, where are you on this game? Steve's got Bama by thirty two. Where do you th- do you think they can cover that large number? Uh so I'm going to start off by kind of paraphrasing something Bud Elliott uh, says from time to time: "Take the paycheck, take the ass whooping." <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, listen. Like, okay, so listen. I wrote all of this down. I, I listen. I think this Alabama team is mid by their own standards, especially on offense. I don't think this team has a single first round player on offense. And Jalen, I mean, you saw last week. Kind of, we kind of known this. Jalen Milrow is a huge drop off at quarterback from what they've had in the past. This is an Alabama team that could mess around and honestly finish the season 84 if they like really mess around. Like I just mentioned, the SEC West is wide open and they could actually lose a few games. But I mean, for Saturday, man, like the, the, the talent gap is just too, it's too wide. Like it, I'm, it's, it's too much. You may get a situation where like, you know how like every Saturday, you know, you have like this heavy, um, team that's a heavy uh heavy favorite playing like this heavy underdog team right and then like only then that underdog team like starts out good and then people screenshot like hey look like me <laughs> like Tennessee with Austin P last week where it's like oh hey look Austin P is up 10-7 whatever and everyone screenshot yeah. like and like at the end of the first quarter you could have a scenario like that here where like USF gets hot early in the first quarter, 
But it, like, they're just going to step like again. The talent differential is just too much. Just give, Bama should be able to easily cover here. I think the over will hit because I do think that USF could put a couple of uh, good drives together and could put a couple of scores on the board late. But come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, my biggest concern uh, going back and watching. Um, FAMU versus USF just for our uh, Bayer Examiner film room stuff. They could not really handle FAMU's front. Like interior, the interior line could had trouble with FAMU's front. This is a whole different animal with Alabama's front. So I think they're going to have a really hard time scoring um, and until maybe later in the game when, when they ease off. But on the other end of it, if you're Alabama – you're not going to get your backup quarterback a bunch of valuable reps on the football. Like they talked about, they thought about replacing Milrow in that game. So they're not, they're not going to see what they got from the other guys. I think they will. Uh, with that, I think Bama will cover the 32. I thought it was going to be in the forties. Yeah. My hot take all off season, was USF was going to cover the spread, no matter what it was. That was based on USF being a lot better on offense. Uh, they're, they're struggling right now a little bit and really dependent on explosive plays. Um, and you know, Alabama maybe not wanting to show much for because Tennessee is going to use this game, I'm sure, to game plan later in the year. I don't think they have to show much, they can just line up and base and just wreck USF's front. So, yeah, I'll take Alabama as well. So, that's everybody taking Alabama. So, if you're a non uh USF uh person wondering uh a, a different perspective, all the USF people just took Alabama by 32. So, <laughs> seems like it should have been higher. Next up, we've got Tennessee at Florida. This one's moved all over the place. Seen, I think it opened at four, moved up to seven and a half. Now it's at six and a half. Um, Nate and Vito are both on Tennessee minus six and a half. I'm actually going to go. I'm, I'm going to do a blog boy roundtable first here. I'm going to take a total. I'm going to go under the 58 and a half. I, the way this game, the way I think this game maybe comes out is. The possibilities are uh, Tennessee wins by, let's say, you know, 14 to 20 because Florida's offense is really bad. Or Florida's defense is able to – I think Florida's defense is, is much improved this year. They're able to hold Tennessee down a little bit and the game's a little bit tighter. I still don't know. I, the spread kind of freaks me out a little bit. Uh, Florida's home field advantage should come into to play, but – I, I don't like either side enough, so I'm going to go under 50 and a half. I just think that happens more often than not. Nick, where are you going in this game? I also had um, under 50, the under in this one, but um, my pick, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, like I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to go Tennessee minus six and a half. Um, like I mentioned before, like Tennessee, they were kind of sleepy in the first half like kind of sleepy and sloppy against Austin P, but then eventually got together. And I think like, you know, for particularly for this game, it's a robbery game, you know, it's their SEC opener. They'll, they should be able to get up for this one. Just for me, it just comes down to like, you mentioned Florida's defense is improved, but to me it's like, okay, which offense can still get things going and, Again, I, I still trust ten, I trust Tennessee way more than I do a Graham Mertz-led Florida offense. If, yeah, if I had to pick a side, I probably would have leaned Tennessee just because I don't – I'm not quite sure. Florida was so out of sync against Utah. Uh, I'm not quite sure 
what they'll be. And Tennessee's defense has showed really well against two really bad teams. So, so I, I don't like they're kind of an, an enigma to me. I think Florida might be able to like go big and run on them, but I don't know because of how they looked against Utah. They looked really bad up front. So, um, they might not score a bunch. So that's why I like that under. Stieg, where do you, where do you lean? Uh, so far, we've got so the, an under by me, and everybody else has got Tennessee by six and a half. Yeah. I, so there, there are two things that I want to comment about this game. I really, I, I wasn't sure about this at first. I really like Austin Armstrong. I, I think he's a, a great defensive mind. I think he's got the enthusiasm. He's got the psycho defensive coordinator vibes about. Like, I think he on the side so that's always a big plus in my book for a defensive coordinator and then there's another portion of this and i'm calling it the usf taketh away curse where whenever usf takes a pivotal piece of, of, a, of a team uh, of, a, of a setup or something like that that team usually or organization or whatever usually falls apart pretty quickly thereafter uh prime example i took gary bohan from baylor baylor looks like shambles right now you take mm-hmm. FA, you take Todd Orlando away from Florida Atlantic Florida Atlantic great on defense right now and they lost one of their and I think Alex Bolish hiring away from uh from Tennessee is having a little bit of effect on Josh Heupel and how he was building that team so I and I'm also going on this one because I, I'm just if I go against you guys on something it's got to be right so I'm going to go with uh with Florida covering that six and a half Ooh. I don't think they're going to upset them, but I think it's going to be close. It's a huge rivalry game in the swamp that trust me, whatever we think, you know, the, the speed of Missy's offense and everything like that. I think Austin Armstrong has got the sicko playbook uh, for deep balls to try to Joe Milton off at this point. Like he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's bringing eight on like a safety blitz just to get him uncomfortable at times, knowing well that they could score 70 yards on a touchdown or something. Yeah, he uh, his defense at Southern Miss led the country in blitz rate last year. Uh, he'll have his hands full with Tennessee, but you know, I, this 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 game these games are usually pretty close, even when even when Tennessee's a favorite. And this is, I think, the third time they've ever been, a, or third time like the last thirty years they've been a favorite at Florida. They lost the other two, so not that, that particularly matters. But Tennessee hasn't won in Gainesville since two thousand three, so yeah. that's. And Casey Clawson, I think, struck up the band after that game. That was a tough one. All right. We've got uh, another rivalry game next. The, this this week was not great in terms of the slate. Uh, that's why game day is at Colorado, Colorado State. Uh, that and everyone loves Dion. But uh, not a great slate of games. But this one, at least in terms of like a nice rivalry, this one's got to be near the top. We've got the backyard brawl. We've got Pitt as a one-point favorite on the road at West Virginia. An old Big East battle here, right? Nick, where, where, do you, where are you leaning in this one? Of course, you got to take the under, but um, my <laughs> pick, I'm still sticking with the uh, spread the, the spread for my pick. I'm going to go West Virginia here. West Virginia plus one. Um, this game's going to be scrappy and sloppy, as God intended all backyard brawls to be. But um, I'm basing my pick on this pit offense is butt, man. <laughs> like what they did against um, Cincinnati last week, Phil Jerkovic going 10 of ter- 32 
and somehow scoring three touchdowns. And the thing is, like, they lost 27 to 21. But that game could have been a lot worse if you, like, go back and, like, look at the box score. Because Cincinnati's offense stalled out in the basically all second half outside of, like, a touchdown they scored in the third quarter. And then Pitt was only able to put two touchdowns on the board because there was one drive where they got bailed out by pass interference twice. And then there was another drive where they connected on a 60-yard pass and had an easy go into the end zone. This offense, like, uh, Pat Narduzzi has nerfed this offense since uh, Kenny Pickett left. And I I think, like, in Morgantown at home, Neil Brown, like, he's been the biggest hot seat candidate in college football heading into the season. He doesn't have, like, a signature rivalry win in his entire tenure. I think he'll get up for this. His fans, his players will get up for this, and he'll get that – uh, big rivalry win that he's uh, that he's so desperately desired at West Virginia. So give me the, give me the nears. Steve, where are you going on this one? What is this the doo doo game of the week? Let me tell you something. <laughs> oh my god! It's a backyard brawl. Steve. This is, it's not supposed to be pretty. Last year was an abomination. Brawl. Yeah, and as Nick said, I mean the backyard brawl is is God's way of just telling you that it's sloppy football. I mean, like you have you can have like clinical clean football in the army navy game or army air force or like the any of the uh commander-in-chief trophy games and then you get like completely knocked opposite opposite of that with west virginia um wouldn't be surprised if there's more penalties by or uh, penalties with both teams combined uh Phil passing yards total uh because that guy is pretty bad at throwing the football i'm jinxing myself so much he's gonna throw for like 450 um, Pitt's defensive line is pretty good. Uh, watched a little bit of their games um, as I as I skimmed through highlights to try to there any sort of intelligent opinion about most of these games. Um, but to Nick's point, I, I do think that West Virginia and Neil Brown are really, really reeling for some sort of positivity. Um, I think the most positive thing that's been uh, around that program besides their win last week was uh, – Neil Brown is no longer in the betting odds favor to be the first fired coach. Um, I think Jimbo Fisher and uh, Danny Gonzalez like passed him or something like that. So that's a positive. And then I, I think they win this. I, I think they win this right. I, I think at West Virginia plays a pretty big hand in that. Um, Phil Yurkovich, I don't think is the mental capacity to handle a road crowd that's just going to absolutely be mean to him all night. Uh, if he can't handle uh, some some booze every once in a while, buddy, you're in for a world hurt with uh, what those ap- fine folks from the Appalachians are going to say about you. So, uh, give me give me the Mountaineers here. Uh, this is not a uh, a blessing to Neil Brown in West Virginia. I think this is just another yuck bowl. Yeah, I've uh, Vito has pit. He likes pit in this one. But uh, I'm with you guys, and so is Nate. We're 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 riding with the Mountaineers here, West Virginia plus one at home, home underdog in the backyard brawl. You got to take the home underdog. And and the West Virginia really didn't look bad against Penn State earlier this year. They they played pretty good in that game, which I'd say Penn State's probably the best opponent either of these two have played. So, all right, now let's go off the board here. I'll start with Nate and Vito's pick. Uh, we talked about UTSA. That something's going on there. Something's kind of weird. Um, I think they lost a right tackle to, or one of their tackles. They lost 
Uh, Frank Harris might be hurt or, or, or injured a little bit. Uh, so Nathan Bond is going to take Army plus eight and a half against UTSA there. He thinks something's going on, and he thinks Army can kind of keep it close there as the game goes on. So that's his pick, Army plus eight and a half. Vito, I like this pick here. This is an interesting one. Uh, this is a game I didn't even kind of realize was happening until earlier in the early in the week. I saw it, and uh, I'm surprised more people aren't talking about it. But you got uh, Western Kentucky at Ohio State. Western Kentucky is a 29-point underdog. Vito likes Western Kentucky plus 29. Uh, I think they might get Corley back this week. If they do, maybe you can throw it around enough and you don't keep the ball in your hand enough for your offensive line to be too big of an issue. So uh, maybe that can happen. And as Vito points out, Ohio State only beat Youngstown State by 28. So That's a fierce rivalry. Ohio State still has like some quarterback issue or not issues, just like like just gender issues. Yeah, about Kyle McCord that we'll find out when they play Notre Dame next week. Yeah, I think they came out and said McCord was the guy, but yeah, those are that's always tenuous until you actually win something like a real game, right? Um, I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way. I like LSU minus nine and a half against Mississippi State. I think they're on the road. Um, LSU, there's been some weird stuff with them, but if you go back to look at that FSU game, it really got away from them in the second half. They were a couple mistakes from being up a few scores in that game. And even once it started going back and forth, they had a couple drops on what plays that could have been touchdowns uh, when they were trying to match FSU. That Florida State offense is probably the toughest, one of the toughest to defend in the country. Mississippi State is not bad. So I think LSU uh, can get up on Mississippi State, a team that uh, had to go to overtime against Arizona, even though they were plus four in the turnover margin. So, yeah, give me LSU minus nine and a half there. Steak, off the board, where'd you go? I didn't, and you know, game day is going there. Big noon's going there. 60 minutes is going there. I'm going there. Uh, Colorado 23 and a half against Colorado State. Boy, does this when the spotlight is on Dion right now, he wants it to be known. And I think with all of the pressure and every all the talking lines, I mean, this guy's gonna milk the spotlight for every inch that he has. And I think going to go out there and absolutely just mollybop Colorado State. Colorado State is not a very good team. Um, They got diced up by Cam Ward and then passing. um, I think Cam Ward passed for like 460 yards uh, against Colorado State at the beginning of the year. Uh, Colorado State had the benefit of uh, a really weird place by week uh, in week two to kind of have two weeks to prepare for this. Uh, There's preparation that they'll have against Shadur Sanders. I think that Colorado is much more talented. I think 23 and a half is a very generous number that I can give because I think, frankly, Colorado's offense won't be stopped very much against Colorado State's defense. I don't, I don't see this game being close. I think Dion is going to take every opportunity to bury a team that he possibly can. Give me Colorado with like a 60 points. Like, like Nick Saban will be nice. Yeah, Nick Saban will be nice. Uh, 
to USF in the second half. I don't think Dion is going to be very nice in the second half. I think that over under is 61 for Colorado. I think they will score 61. Well, there you go. Nick, what do you like? I'm going to the Lone Star State for a big, for a now Big 12 matchup. Give me TCU minus seven and a half against Houston for two reasons. Ooh. For two reasons. Um, so TCU obviously lost that ridiculous game against Colorado two weeks ago. And they've kind of been, they've, they, they got humbled. They got humbled in that game. Sonny Dykes basically said that afterwards. Um, I think that they are going to be motivated to um, kind of redeem themselves. It's like, Hey, don't write us off just yet. Yeah. We lost that opener, but this is still a pretty good team. I know like it's not the team from last year that went to the national championship game, but this is still a really good quality team. And we're going to go out and try to prove this against a new in-state conference rival in Houston that for my second reason is bad, man. Like I, we were talking in the, I was mentioned this like last Saturday in the discord and it just astounds me how Houston, you know, spent decades, decades trying to get into the big 12, putting all of their, energy and efforts and getting into the big 12 and they finally get across the finish line and get everything that they want. And that's the moment that they start to fall apart. And it doesn't look like Dana's going to be around for much longer beyond this season because they went to overtime against rice last week, but that should have been, I mean, they were down 28 to nothing. And yeah, rice is a decent it's Rice is a decent opponent. They won five games, went to a bowl last year. But, man, they're going to be in for some rough times when they really get into the meat of conference play in the Big 12. And it's going to start this Saturday with TCU coming to town. So give me the Horn Frogs to cover and – Ah, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you heard. I gasped when you gave that because I couldn't believe it was that. I, we said seven and a half. I was like, okay, who are they playing? Houston. That's yeah. The, the I think the the final score of the Colorado game has been really unflattering to TCU. When if you go back and watch the game, they threw two picks in the end zone. Like yeah. they're very close to winning that game by ten plus. Like this is not a terrible team, and yeah, Houston. Uh, down bad, I think would be a good way to describe them. Down bad. Uh, so, yeah, all right. So, uh, we all like Bama. Uh, Steve likes Florida. Everybody else likes Tennessee. I like the under 58 and a half in that game. We all like WVU against Pitt, except for Vito. And then we've got, I've got LSU minus nine and a half. Nate has Army plus eight and a half. Vito, Western Kentucky plus 29. Nick, TCU minus seven and a half. And Steve, Colorado. And Coach Prime minus 23 and a half at Colorado State. If you enjoyed this, like, subscribe, leave a comment, help us game the YouTube algorithm. We'll be back next week reviewing these picks and making some more. What's going to be a pretty good week next week? You got some Clemson, Florida State. You got some other pretty good ones. Bama Ole Miss. Bama coming off two of the straight losses against Ole Miss, right? So we'll be back next week looking back at these, looking forward to the next week of games. Thank you for watching.